If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoe the tank and see this content in all its glory. Against all the evil that hell can conjure. All the wickedness that mankind can produce, we will send unto them only you. When he awoke, there was no question as to what he was meant to do. What was it they sang in that ancient arena so long ago? Ah yes, I remember. How could we forget? Rip and tear. Put on your armor, Slayer, there's demons to kill. It was Samuel Hayden that brought him back and it's Samuel Hayden that greets him, offering to work with him in a mutually beneficial way, but well, yeah, I tend to agree, he can go pound sand. The Slayer has no invested interest in others. Hayden doesn't give up though, he can't. He's failed spectacularly in preventing a hell invasion, actually calling what's taken place worth the risk. Moral dilemmas aside, that really doesn't matter. The Slayer is here to kill, Hayden has no idea what out of hand really is. Well. Mars has seen better days. First order of business is to find out what caused all this, but the comm satellite in the resource operation facility needs to be aligned first. The AI Vega greets the Slayer once there. It's their first official introduction. Vega will aid the Slayer in their task to come, but it really doesn't overstay its welcome. The power in the facility is out. Getting it back on reveals what some of the Argent employees were seeing in their final moments. A message from Olivia Pierce, confirming that every dark rumor swirling about the facility was true and she beckons them to rejoice in the new world they created together. A real comfort, I'm sure. When the Slayer reaches the satellite controls, he finds that Samuel Hayden is so desperate for attention that he's willing to block access to the console. He wants the Slayer to go to a Vega terminal, and until he does, he won't be able to proceed. It's not that going through more lockdowns and demon hordes is the issue. It's Samuel Hayden's need to control this clearly out of control situation, but fine. The Slayer will play along for now. What Samuel so desperately wanted to give him was a Praetor suit upgrade, more power. So if he had just said this in the first place, maybe this back and forth could have been avoided. Like, good morning, damn dude. There's demons to kill. Come here so we can get you dummy jacked, my guy. Would that not have been a much more efficient use of everybody's time? But what's a thought like me now? Samuel's regard for the whole situation is rather disdainful. He calls what happened here the cost of progress, but it's not Samuel Hayden that's being torn apart by the Hell Legions. No, he's clearly just fine, so providing his opinion on the matter doesn't really seem necessary, but he just can't seem to help himself. And don't we all love a compulsive control freak that just can't stop talking? Ventures and feats will fall before the Slayer, but moving forward, nothing is going to be easy. Nothing moving forward could possibly be accomplished by anyone but the Slayer, even something as simple as turning on venting turbines. Getting through the UAE Mars Institute will require constantly pushing through lockdowns, which means clearing out demons. Not long into his errands, the Slayer comes across Olivia Pierce herself, looking to be in one piece, unlike her former co-workers, unfortunately. Olivia is trying to tear a full portal between Hell and Earth, 
She's rerouting all power to the Argent Tower. Now, Samuel tells the Slayer to disable the induction filters that pump the Argent energy into the tower because then it won't be usable, which will temporarily power it down. But you know what? How about instead? Yeah, my dear, that's a better luck. You see, Samuel talks about this place as though it could recover. Like, this is just a setback. Like, it can be fixed. Like, he hasn't taken a good look around to see what's flooding these buildings. He seems to be no better than Olivia Pierce in his own convictions. He even tries to tell the Slayer that he cannot do this, but again, Samuel doesn't seem to get it. The Slayer is here to kill demons to stop this invasion, not cater to the wants of a for-profit industry. He'll smash every toy he comes across if it means accomplishing his own goals. The Slayer eliminates every single filter they have, effectively destroying Argent energy production. Olivia is in the tower, so she is next on the list. This tower is everything the Slayer lives for. It's a festival of violence all the way up, and near the top is Olivia, this time looking a little gory herself. She got her hands on an Argent accumulator. Apparently, she can use it to manually open a portal to hell. She jumps on an elevator. The Slayer has to hoof it. This tower is particularly infested, but it isn't even the full force of hell, not like what the Slayer saw in ancient times on Argent Tenur. The hell portal isn't even fully opened yet. The Slayer finds Olivia Pierce at the apex of the tower with that accumulator in hand. She proclaims that this is just the beginning, and she throws herself into the energy beam. Demons pour forth, but the dimension shift can't be stopped. Eventually, the Slayer is pulled into it. Pulled into hell. The location is different, things are a little bit more complicated, but the core mission remains the same. Kill demons, stop the invasion. A previous UAC expedition was here, that one with Samuel Hayden. They'd left markers so that they could find their way to an exit. Perfect. This is where they had found the sarcophagus that the Slayer once rested in, Kattinger Sanctum. It's remarkable how far that team was able to make it, just mere humans surviving a long trek through a place like hell. Only Samuel Hayden made it to the end. Here is where their exit portal was established, so it's here that the Slayer will return to Mars. But the difference between Mars and hell, it's a bit hard to spot at this point. The ever-helpful Samuel Hayden chimes in that the Argent Tower is destroyed. The portal between Mars and Hell can no longer be closed from this side. It will have to be done in Hell itself, in a place called the Well. Vega is trying to find a way to get the Slayer there, but the Slayer will need to go find a Vega terminal to get more information. Something accomplished with just a little bit of platforming and some killing. Vega has found that Olivia had an artifact in her private lab that bears the mark of the Slayer, but getting there will require alpha level clearance, and here is where Vega proves to be a real bro and a team player. He just gives it to him. No running around chasing carrots, that's it. Her lab is a pretty hefty distance away, so Vega brings the tram system back online and lets him know where a security card is that he can activate it with. The terrain is a bit troublesome and the enemy's difficult, but it's par for the course at this point. Eventually he gets what he needs and the tram is now accessible. On board, Samuel Hayden says that it's time for them to meet in person. Like it's as simple as hopping in an elevator to pay him a visit, but sure, a little side quest to go see Samuel. As soon as the Slayer opens the door to Samuel's office, he activates a tether update in the Slayer's suit, quite without the Slayer's permission or even the courtesy of a heads up. The tether will allow Samuel to pull the Slayer out of hell remotely, should the need arise. And what really jumps out about this place is how clean it is. Hayden really has been spared the muck of this invasion. You could eat pizza off of his floors. He has supplies the Slayer can collect, artifacts, replicas of armors from other dimensions. He's still really caught up on his Argent Tower being destroyed and makes a point of mentioning it. But he also gives insights on how all of this was made possible, how they learned to harness the energies of Hell. It was via that Helix Stone, the artifact that bears the mark of the Slayer, what he has been trying to reach. 
But Hayden discloses that it might also hold the secrets to stopping the invasion, so maybe this time the Slayer won't destroy it. Maybe. En route to the Lazarus facility, the Slayer makes his way into the BFG labs, whatever that is. Samuel had mentioned something about a weapons facility worth keeping an eye out for. These facilities were occupied by the highest tier of advocates at the UAC. Getting a job here was also kind of a guarantee that you were never going to make it back to Earth. The wildest human experiments and weapon development took place in these structures. There was no oversight or law applied to what they did. The executives set the rules, and for the sake of progress, or rather greed, nothing was off limits. But that will play to the Slayer's advantage, because it turns out that the BFG is a weapon. It's a big fucking gun. It'll come in handy in ending the lockdown, gotta clear the place a bit before the Lazarus elevator is usable. This is how he'll reach Olivia's offices. The lift takes him down to the Lazarus Labs, the heart of occultic activities and the origins of the demonic invasion. Olivia released captive demons from their cells that were being used for study and fired off something called a Lazarus Wave. That wave is what made so many people victims to demonic possession, tens of thousands of people killed or changed in an instant. Samuel has faith that the Slayer will be able to see, interpret, connect with something in the Helix Stone that they could not. These labs are a complete mess of carnage. No one made it out once Olivia set her plans into motion. Even if they weren't taken by the Lazarus wave, the demons got them. Remnants from that initial outbreak remain to cut through. But at the Helix Stone, the Slayer sees it. What Olivia was searching out. The Crucible, the only weapon that could kill a Titan from Hell. Well, to get that weapon, they'll have to get another Argent Accumulator to rip a portal into Hell. Vega has a lock on to where that Crucible is. Somehow, it will aid them in shutting down the well and closing the massive portal that demons are surging through into Mars. That Argent Accumulator is in the possession of a Cyber Demon. It's actually what powers it. Wanna go to Hell? Gotta kill a big boy! The tech that the UAE developed for these creatures is quite spectacular, a wonderful series of additions to their arsenals. Imagine what one of these cyber demons could do in a shopping mall in just a matter of minutes. Bringing the beast down means ripping out the accumulator in its chest. A few dozen well-placed shots opens up the opportunity, and just like that, another journey into hell commences with a round two against the cyber demon. Not entirely unwelcome either. It is an enjoyable combatant to face off against, but all good times eventually must come to an end. The Crucible is within the realm of the Titans. You get one guess as to why it's called that. The weapon he seeks is deep into this region, kept safe by demon hordes and ancient mechanisms. Some impressive beings still lay guard over it, so that should anyone, especially the Slayer, make it to the Crucible's resting spot, there are still obstacles to overcome him. But this is what the Slayer is meant to do, it's what he lives for. He takes the power of the weapon for himself and is blessed to see his old companions in war before him. The spirits of those who were night sentinels in life come to bid the Slayer honors. But that damn tether activates once he has it and the Slayer is pulled back to Mars. In the Slayer's absence, Vega and Samuel have been scheming up a plan. They will use Vega's power supply to open up a new portal to hell, to where the Slayer needs to be to destroy the well. It will kill Vega, and reaching the AI won't be easy, but Vega will guide the Slayer to precisely where he needs to be to pull this off. The building containing Vega is massive, it has to be just to sustain it, and the security system in this place is steep. Vega is, or was, vital in the day-to-day -day operations of this UAC facility. It required an absolute zero cooling system to keep it functional, the Slayer needs to destroy it for Vega to overload, then its neural processors. But before initiating Vega's core destruction, the Slayer hesitates for just a moment and instead chooses to make a backup first, to take with him for safekeeping. 
Now he is ready back to hell one last time to destroy the well and cut hell off from Mars and end this madness. The well was once a part of Argent Denor, the homeworld of the Argenta, the Sentinels of the Wraiths. And what he finds here now is a blasphemy. The wraiths that were stolen away by the priests that once worshipped them are what is powering the well. They're an unlimited source of power. Using the crucible, the slayer delivers them peace. He ends their torment and cuts off the energy fueling the well. After the wraiths are put down, the slayer finds Olivia Pierce. She made a deal with the devil, so to speak, and is right shocked to discover that they would betray her in the end. Perhaps it's not the ascension that she envisioned, but she will become more than she once was. Olivia Pierce becomes one with the Spider Mastermind, one last showdown before this little adventure concludes. Olivia Pierce was once one of the greatest minds Earth had to offer, an intellect to rival that of the Seraphim Simmer. A true shame that in the end, she could not resist the call of hell and the promises of something more. Who knows what else she could have accomplished had her once benefactor not sent her that cursed hell artifact but no sense in pondering over impossibilities. With the fall of this final demon, the tether activates and pulls the Slayer back to Mars. Samuel has no intention of letting the Slayer get in the way of his work anymore, though. In Samuel's mind, the Slayer is a tool, and he has served his purpose. Hell has been pushed back, denied its prize of this realm, so Samuel will see the Slayer return to his sarcophagus. He can't kill him, but he can contain him. Samuel Hayden will continue his work. He will see his pet projects rebuilt, and this time he'll do it using the power of the Crucible weapon. Who can claim surprise when some 13 years later, Earth has fallen? Humanity has been pushed underground, led on by the one who helped cause it, Samuel Hayden. Shortly after the invasion of Mars, Samuel Hayden returned to Earth, only to find that demons were already appearing planet-side. After he told the Allied Nations Council of what took place on Mars, or perhaps a version of what took place, Samuel volunteered his tech and weaponry as a means to stand against the forces of hell. It didn't go very well. Billions of people died. Argent energy was in limited supply, so he devised a way to use the Crucible as a power source. For some years, he stood with humanity and mounted a valiant defense, but eventually Samuel Hayden was struck down as well. Because of his immensely complex body being made up of alien technology, well, nobody could repair him. He survived within a husk, unable to continue his work. Thirteen years after the invasion began, the Slayer returns, with Vega at his side to bring some semblance of salvation to those few who still yet survive. Aboard what was once a flagship of the Night Sentinels themselves, the Fortress of Doom carries them to Earth, where this fight once again begins anew. First he will find the Hell Priests, those once of the Order of the Dag, who oversaw the raids on Argent Denur, who betrayed their own by delivering the raids into the hands of the demons. Three of them to choke the life out of, Nylox, Rannoch, and Grav. They are the drivers and minds behind the invasions. Their deaths will be a grievous blow to Hell. After killing the first, Dag Nylox, the Slayer's next target is a massive citadel, where the three priests were to meet somebody very special. The other two priests snivel and snap at the Slayer, calling the death of Nylox nothing of importance to their plan, but under threat they do not remain to challenge the Slayer. Their special guest holds no such fear though. The con maker herself is here. She calls all of this a chance for humanity to repent, to serve the makers. Outside her own domain, she cannot be harmed, so the Slayer gives her no more audience. They have no business to conduct, and she is clearly beyond reason. 
Vega has developed tech aboard the Fortress of Doom that allows for fast travel, even across dimensions if need be. Finding the second priest requires a device from the city of Exaltia on Argent Dinor. It's terrible to see what has become of Exaltia. It was once the home of the warriors known as the Sentinels, but for countless years it has been roamed by not but demons. The glory of Argent Dinor has long fled. At the heart of the dead city is the spirit of a long-past king, Novik. The Slayer knew him once and shows him honors at his appearance. The Slayer must walk this path of death and vengeance, but Novik warns him that the priests, though traitors, are still of sentinel blood. They must be offered a chance to repent. Spilling the blood of the priests is forbidden in their law, and that should the Slayer continue down this path, well, he's taking a far greater risk than even he realizes. But the Slayer cannot abide this warning. The era of the Sentinels and Argentinor have long passed, the time of King Novik has as well. He cannot waver in this task, even if the people of Earth are no longer his people to save, he cannot deny his own nature. This device, this celestial locator needs a power core, and this tech isn't unfamiliar to the Slayer, he knows where to find one in Hell, in the possession of the one now called the Betrayer. Once called Commander Valen, the Betrayer made a deal with a powerful demon that should he betray his fellow Night Sentinels at the height of the war, the demon would resurrect his dead son. Valen couldn't refuse the offer and betrayed his fellow warriors, and his son was returned to him as the Icon of Sin. A terrible, ugly, violent thing that was a far cry from the son that he remembered. The Betrayer exiled himself into the pits of Hell in his shame. When the Slayer finds him, he readily hands over the Power Core, but as King Novik did, he warns the Slayer against the path that he is on. He tells him to rethink what he's doing, that Earth is lost, the people are giving their penance. And even if that is true, the Slayer exists to fight, to kill demons. He can't walk away from this, not like the Betrayer did. There's too much left to do to even give this consideration. Back to the fortress he goes. Vega is now able to find the second priest, Dag Rannick. He is in the Arctic, in a well-fortified citadel all his own. The Slayer's arrival put the citadel on high alert. It won't be an easy fight getting in, but has it ever really been that easy? The coward Rannick hides at the heart of the fortress, spewing sermons of propaganda at his followers. They knew the Slayer would be coming, and they prepared well for it. The place is covered in demons and defenses to keep the Slayer out. One after the other, and then the traitor priest Rannick. He tries to bargain with the Slayer, offers him power in exchange for his own life, but it falls on unhearing ears. The priest is mercilessly ended, and with that, only one of them remains. And the con maker is displeased at this turn of events. She projects into the Fortress of Doom and disables Vega's ability to find the final priest. And then a super gore nest crops up, the largest infestation to suddenly appear since the start of the invasion. And they can't ignore something so large, so while Vega works on the issue of finding the third priest, the Slayer returns to Earth to deal with the massive gore nest. Based on what's happening planet side, it would seem that the con maker is a bit nervous. This is a huge increase in aggression, and taking down the nest is decidedly gross. It's really, really gross. But even after the time it takes to destroy it, Vega still hasn't been able to find that priest. At this point, the one thing that could help them with that is Samuel Hayden, which Vega can pinpoint. The Armored Response Coalition is still holding out against the forces of hell, albeit barely. They've lost parts of this complex to demons, making the approach a gauntlet. But when he finds the Ark hideout remains, there are real, living, breathing people here. Scientists and Ark personnel that are still carrying on the fight. Hayden had told them that one day the Slayer would come for the Crucible weapon, so they knew to expect and to welcome him. As for Samuel's body, he left behind very detailed instructions on how to safely remove him when the time came. 
This ARC facility doesn't really have much longer. An evacuation order is in place, and once the Slayer takes possession of Samuel's body, a corrupted Night Sentinel appears, challenging him. Not all of his old comrades found their honor in death. Some did join the enemy, shamefully becoming one of the demons of hell. The mission was to retrieve Samuel Hayden's body. Once the Marauder and its minions are dispatched, it's time to go. Once in the fortress, Samuel uploads himself into the ship's systems, telling the two that the final priest has been moved to Sentinel Prime, which is only accessible via the core of Mars, where the lost city of Habeth is. But, well, how to reach the core of a planet? Well, how about the BFG-10,000? Samuel says, uh, you can't just shoot a hole into the surface of Mars. But Samuel also thought that harnessing hell energy was a good idea, so his opinions don't really get any weight right now. Turns out the BFG-10K is massive, it's like a planet cracker. And the UAC still has a very functional space outpost on a moon of Mars, with, as luck would have it, the BFG-10K. Looks like the UAC isn't having the best of times up there though, bit of a demon invasion taking place. The UAC guards on site, at least the ones still alive, have orders to keep the Slayer out, but when he approaches, they very wisely don't get in the way, and the Slayer doesn't harm them. He doesn't have any interest in hurting his own people, even if they are a bit misguided. It would take an impressive feat of stupid to get on his bad side, at least enough that he would feel the need to kill you. Samuel said he couldn't do this, but what does Samuel know? Once the Slayer is in control of the BFG, he aims for Mars and shoots directly into it. They need to get to the core of the planet, so this is obviously the quickest and easiest solution. There are emergency evac portals available for immediate transport to the surface of Mars. Unfortunately, the station might be kind of falling apart, so it requires some ingenuity to reach the escape pods. But he does get there, it's fine, don't even worry about it. It's fine. The Slayer makes his escape and he lands the pod at the heart of the core of Mars, the lost city of Habeth. This city predates even the Slayer. Not sure how an Argenta city got into the middle of Mars, but there's a slipgate here that will take him to Sentinel Prime. Under the guidance of the Makers, the Argenta were capable of long travel, so perhaps they found a way here long ago and decided to establish a city away from home. The gate to Sentinel Prime is a hop, skip, rip, and a tear away. The final priest is near, and this city is ever as beautiful and harrowing as it ever was. The Slayer has a rich past here, and as he walks the grounds, he remembers bits of it. It's where Sentinel patrols brought him when he was found bloodied and insane in the wilds, where he fought and proved himself in the arena, and eventually fought beside the Night Sentinels against the forces of Hell. The con maker knows of his past, and she offers him a return to it, if he will abandon his crusade. He can return to the old ways of life in some form. She'll take away all his pain if he just stops what he's doing. But of course he won't. In the arena he once fought in, Dag Grav awaits him. Should the Slayer spill Sentinel blood here, he will abandon all connections to this place, to his past, to the Night Sentinels. He'll never be able to return. One more round against a mighty combatant to test his resolve. This place of honor is dirtied by the presence of a demon. It was not intended for their kind. The Gladiator is undefeated in combat. It's killed countless in this very arena, but this day that ends. Now, for the priest. The Slayer must abandon all his past to kill him, denying the priest the chance to redeem himself before King Novik. And the Khan Maker knew that this would happen. This was part of her plan. That's a fair trade, and one that he makes without hesitation. What few of the Argenta remain take up their weapons against the Slayer, approaching him in the arena. But the Slayer does not fight them. Instead, he leaves, never again to return to this city, never again to walk as a sentinel. As punishment, 
The con maker will revive the icon of sin. And with this, all of humanity faces extinction. It will devour Earth and extinguish all life there. But the icon of sin is a titan. And the titans are not unkillable. The Slayer's own crucible is in the lost city of Terrasnabad, embedded in the body of a titan he killed long ago. Vega opens the portal to see him delivered to the outskirts of the city. This is where the first demon attack on the planet occurred. It was almost lost until the Slayer arrived to combat the hordes. This is where Samur, the Seraph, he found the Outlander and sensing his potential, enacted an ancient rite to empower him, thus birthing the Slayer. Still yet, the demons roam. This region was never truly recovered in time, it too fell. The crucible he wielded so long ago is in the same place he left it, in the chest of a titan. There are a few items he must collect to restore and empower the weapon, but with this, he can face the Icon of Sin and actually stand a chance. Now, to depart Karis Nabad and never to return. Awakening the Icon of Sin will take the Conmaker some time, and with the element of surprise, they could confront her in her own realm on Erdak and they may be able to stop the Icon of Sin before it can depart for Earth. This requires going through the terrible city of the damned, Necroval. The only way to get the Slayer out of Erdak, should this be successful, is to take Vega along. Vega can tear open a portal to get them out. Within Necroval, the Slayer must fight their way to the dreaded Citadel at the center, which sends Argent energy to Erdak. That beam is the only known way into Erdak. The damned of Earth are brought to the Citadel, where they are tortured, their energy harvested, and then processed into energy. The Con Maker's world is starving, it's dying. They need to consume Earth to continue on. In their minds, their lesser beings only worthy of acting as feed. Saving Earth means putting Erdak and the Makers in peril. Being here in these pits provides a good chance to really muck with the whole process and set everything back a bit. Once at the top, it's just a matter of destroying the transmitter, kissing a few titans goodbye, and then riding that sweet, sweet Argent Mojito into the great beyond. Erdek is spectacular, but it feels synthetic. It doesn't feel alive like Argent Denir did. The Icon of Sin is being resurrected just ahead. Even getting into the building feels like a chore. What sane people use jump pads and teleports like this to get around? What if you had one too many burritos that day and you're a little bit sluggish and bloated? Then just down the void you go, chubby maker. This planet sucks. This is the first time that the Slayer has entered into a building and not immediately had to fight his way through it, though. Inside it almost feels welcoming. All Makers obey the Con Maker. As a hive mind species, there is no refusal of her command. All in attendance of this ritual do so with no thought as to the consequences. The father of the Icon of Sin, the man called the Betrayer, had given the Slayer a knife, and it only seems fitting that it is what stops this madness. The Icon of Sin will resurrect, it's too late to stop that, but it will not be controlled by the Con Maker. It will be as a wild, feral thing that all must fear. It kills everything in the room save the Con and the Slayer. The demons and makers once had a deal, neutrality. But with the awakening of the Icon of Sin directly in maker territory, well, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. The forces of hell invade through a portal the Icon of Sin tears into Erdak. It flees for Earth while the Slayer, the Makers, and the Demons fight one another. The Slayer needs to get through them all to reach the Makers portal system. All bets are off between them, but I really gotta hand it to the Demons. They didn't waste any time in thrashing the place. The Makers are under threat of no longer having Argent energy, their home is being destroyed, and the Slayer is killing everything as he goes. Erdek soon too will fall to damnation.
Interfacing with Maker Technology reveals to Vega that, in actuality, it's the father. This revelation doesn't change anything. Vega remains Vega, but I wonder if he remembers that one time that Samuel Hayden was 100% ready to sacrifice him in order to send the Slayer to hell back on Mars. I wonder if he remembers that. Before they can get out, the con maker intercepts them. She refuses to allow the Slayer passage. This beast that has so destroyed her home and defied their ways. The makers are quite unaccustomed to blatant defiance. Her own people can't even refuse her order. With the orb on her chest intact, she is unkillable. That is her own life sphere. But here on Erdek, it can be damaged. She's not invulnerable on her own home world. Battle with the Khan reveals that beneath that armor, the makers are ugly things of flesh and blood that look more akin to demons than traditional depictions of an angel. At her downfall, she bemoans her fate, crying that she was meant to rule and that this was all for a race meant to be her servants. What the Slayer has done here has threatened all of creation. The destruction of the Khan maker's life sphere incites terrible storms and Erdek begins to fall apart. His work here is complete. It's time to face the icon of sin on Earth. The monstrosity moves freely about Earth. Nothing could possibly challenge it. The Slayer tracks the beast down and engages it on a building. Not some grand final stage. There's no big display in the sky. Nothing spectacular to behold as they fight. It's a brawl befitting the two titans. The armor on the icon makes it especially difficult to wrangle in. It takes extreme firepower to break it down, to slowly chip away at its defenses. But the icon of sin isn't particularly intelligent and relies mostly on smashing things as an offense instead of protecting itself. Once its armor is gone, then goes the flesh. The Slayer is tearing pieces out of it one bit at a time, whatever it takes to kill this thing. When it has been broken down enough, torn apart, bled out, the Icon stops its rampage. The Slayer takes the Crucible and plunges it into the brain of the beast. Finally, finally, it falls dead. In life, the Icon was the son of the Night Sentinel Commander Valen. Now, it's finally at peace. And so too will be Valen, the Betrayer. But my friends, this is not the end, oh no. The demons still roam Erdak. Earth is still walked by demons. They must be returned to hell, sealed away as in ancient times. To do this, they would probably need the Father. To reach the Father, they would need the Seraphim, the once guardian of the Father's life sphere. The Seraphim, this mysterious being, is under UAC control, at least his body is. Samuel Hayden guides the Slayer to it. They now work with ARC personnel at their sides. Humans that survived and resisted against the Hell invasion and fought back when things were most dire. They locate the Seraphim on a UAC facility in the ocean. En route, Samuel really hypes up the importance of this being. They're the only one that can save the world. It's an honor to be in its presence. You owe all of reality to the Seraphim. On and on the damn ego on this asshole. The Seraphim's body is deep underwater, held in stasis by UAC tech. Samuel Hayden uploads his consciousness into the Seraphim, and he falls back into true form, baby! He's insufferable. The Slayer is either indifferent to the self-gratification of others, or he has the patience of a saint. Because Samuel, or rather the Seraphim, just cannot shut up about his own self-importance and past deeds. Bah, who's a mere human to judge the hubris of a supposed immortal, right? Well, actually, seems the Seraphim isn't really so immortal. The father is still slumbering. Vega is just the consciousness of the father. And without a flow of argent energy to restore him, the Seraphim is undergoing transfiguration. His body is breaking down rapidly. He needs the father to restore him in order to survive now. 
The Father's Sphere is located in what's now known as the Blood Swamp. It was once the origin point of the Father's Realm. The Slayer proves himself worthy of ascending to where the Father rests, and at the Seraphim's behest, he takes the Father's Life Sphere. But the Seraphim, Samuel, Samur, he wants it for himself. The Slayer instead breaks the Sphere. The Seraphim, the Makers, the planet Erdak will not be restored by this supposed god. The Father will never again be a tool of the Dying Makers. Here too is another great life sphere, that of the Dark Lord, the first one, Davith, the True Father. He's long been imprisoned here, done so by the New Father, untold ages ago after they battled. The Slayer takes the Dark Lord's sphere, not speaking his true intentions aloud, but based on his walk. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. ARC personnel flee at the sight of the sphere, knowing exactly what it is. They think the Slayer intends to revive the Dark Lord to ensure the continued reign of the demons. But one particular intern kinda sees through it and knows that the only way to truly end the demon threat is to cut off the head of the beast. The Slayer wishes to revive the Dark Lord, bring him back into physical form so that he can kill him and this lowly intern will do everything in his power to assist the Slayer in this. He's been snooping into Samuel Hayden's files and he knows a thing or two about the stories of the Dark Lord. The Slayer must take the Sphere to the Luminarium on the dying planet of Erdak. The Seraphs that still occupy the Luminarium are obligated to see any life spheres brought to them revived. They must remain neutral. En route to the Luminarium, the Father chimes in, unaware of what's happened to him, thinking the Slayer to be his friend, not knowing he possesses the Dark Lord's life sphere, speaking in a confused manner as though he was waking up from anesthesia. The intern tells the Slayer that according to old stories, killing the Dark Lord Davith will result in all demons outside of Hell dying. They cannot survive outside their own realm without the Dark Lord's power. It is the perfect answer to all of this. The Seraphim, Samuel, Samur, is awaiting them in the Luminarium. He's angry at the Slayer's defiance and attacks him on sight. But of course, the weakened being doesn't stand a chance against him. Perhaps in his prime he might have, but not now. In mercy, the father takes the battered and beaten Seraphim away. Taking pity on the thing that was once his loyal and trusted servant. Fair enough. The Slayer leaves it at that. Seraphs do indeed still tend to the Luminaria. Before their fall from grace, they were angelic seraphim that flew beside the original father Davith and helped create the realities. After an enigmatic battle long ago, they fell from his good graces and were stripped of their wings. They now tend to the Luminarium and the life spheres brought to them there, neutral in all things as required. No blood may be spilled here, no battle undertaken, no request denied to those that prove themselves worthy of being here. They do revive the Dark Lord, as is requested of them. And the Dark Lord takes the form of the Slayer himself, a befitting one. As the Dark Lord is the demon's version of the Slayer, their mightiest warrior, their ultimate protector, their two sides of the same vile coin. They cannot engage in combat on these holy grounds, and the Dark Lord makes no attempt to do so. He knows precisely why the Slayer has resurrected him, and he welcomes the fight. The Dark Lord will go directly to the city of Amora in Hell, and he will await the Slayer's arrival. If he wishes combat, then he will have it. Argent Denur he is taken to, his once beautiful home. While Erdak felt artificial, devoid of warmth, that is not so within Argent Denur. Life is surging within it once again, its beauty hums all around. Here, the Slayer must gain passage to Hell. The betrayer, the one called Valen, greets the Slayer and, as a thanks for giving his son, the Icon of Sin, salvation and rest, he bestows on the Slayer his own sentinel hammer. 
To proceed, the Slayer must light the Torch of Kings, signifying that he wishes passage to the World Spear itself. All tribes that still live on Argent Denor will see this and know of the Slayer's intentions. A beast greets him at the beacon, giving him a quick passage to the World Spear. The Slayer cannot know what those still alive on Argent Denor will do, if they'll see him as a threat, an outlander once again to be ignored, or if they'll heed his call to battle, but he will proceed regardless of what they do. At the World Spear, the Father deems him worthy of passage and takes him into the World Spear itself. Within is a most wondrous discovery. The World Spear is a ship used by the Wraiths long ago, and some of them, many of them actually, still live. There is hope for Argent Denur. The Wraiths give the Slayer what he needs, an object that will let him use the Gate of Divum back on Earth, his way into Hell. Earth itself is starting to recover as well. Life has begun to seep back into it. It will take years to achieve it, but like Argent Denur, recovery is underway. Demons do still roam the streets and buildings, but should the Slayer succeed in his mission, then humanity will begin to reclaim the surface. The Gate of Divum springs to action once the artifact from the Wraiths is inserted, opening the way into the heart of Hell, Imora. He's wasted no time in preparing for the Slayer's arrival, nor is he reserved about a show of force. The Dark Lord calls upon his many demons to greet him. This is a battle that will decide the fate of all worlds. Should Hell succeed, all will fall to their invasions eventually. Should the Slayer succeed, then Hell will be confined here once again. And in answer, the remaining forces of Argent Denor join the field. All their warriors, constructs, ships, and weaponry that remain, the Slayer will not fight alone this day. This is a form of vengeance that the Sentinels get to bring right to Hell's doorstep, and they do not need the aid of the Slayer in their fray. The walls of Amora are still far off, so the soldiers of Argent Denor help the Slayer along with a ballista ride, whatever gets the job done. The Slayer fights his way through Amora, the ruling center of all hell, where the best technology and strongest weaponry be. The Dark Lord isn't staying in one spot, seems he has a place for battle picked out that he wants to go to, forcing the Slayer to follow him to the upper reaches of the city. If not for the aid of the Argent Denor ships, it would have been a long trek on foot. Atop the reaches of Amora is the way that he seeks, the path to the Dark Lord's inner sanctum. Here, he is completely on his own. Ancient gods will witness this rite of combat, as it will decide the fate of all creation. Though the Dark Lord be the true creator and father of all, in this battle he is not invulnerable. This test of conflict will be one of honor between only them, and the two fight with a ferocity that tears down the very walls of the Sanctum. If the future of all depends on this, then they fight like it. Upon the halfway point, the Dark Lord discloses the truths of his origins. He is the creator, the so-called father, is of his own creation, a being that ascended when the Dark Lord was betrayed by his own servants, the Makers. All these ages passed, and he's still really caught up on it. He just cannot let it go. Everything must suffer for what was done against him so long ago, but this doesn't change anything for the Slayer. Who cares who created who, who betrayed who, who caused what in a cosmic setting? The Slayer lives to kill demons, and the Dark Lord is the biggest prey of them all, so on continues their fray. This is a long, multi-tiered fight that they carry out, though it'd be wrong to call it a fight of good versus evil. Two forces of rage and darkness colliding, it's a matter of who benefits the most from their victory. 
and humanity has a huge bet placed on the Slayer. In the end, finally, at the end of it all, he takes the victory. The Slayer has won against the Dark Lord. In line with so many that the Slayer has met before, the Dark Lord continues on his dialogue. This time asking the Slayer if he doesn't have words for his own creator, something to say before striking him down. No. With the death of the Dark Lord, the forces of Hell outside their own domain are destroyed. Argent Denur, Erdak, Earth, all planets that they are infesting and consuming are freed from their terror. Hell is once again contained within itself. In the absence of the Dark Lord, they cannot leave it. With his creator destroyed, with Hell contained, the Slayer himself cannot carry on. His mission is complete. His body gives out and he falls unconscious. The Seraph will see him return to his sarcophagus. He's no longer needed. But should the day arise where Hell breaks, let them remember the stories of the Slayer. He will awaken should the day of doom ever return. May the blood on your sword never dry. And may we never need you again. Thank <laughs> you.